I was just reading one of those best of the year overviews. It's me, Cindy. And of course, it makes me think back to consider my own list. When all is said and done, what was worthy enough of the time I invested to have moved me enough, to have sunk in deep enough to float back to the surface, when I consider this past year's best. Maybe what I remember are not the very best, artistically, maybe not anybody's first or top picks, but they're the ones I most remember, which has to account for something. I started the year reading like a house of fire, the frequency dwindling as the year aged out, and while most were delivered via the library system's overdrive, I can go back and scan the list, but without coaching. Which ones earned a spot in my memory bank? Only two really stand out. One, 40,000 weeks, because in spite of being intrigued by a book that offers an entirely new perspective on the value of and approach to time management, I've had to take it out repeatedly. I just got it for the third time, and I'm hoping to read it through to the end. Finally, in search of some sort of profound or at least helpful lesson, I'll let you know if that happens. The second is The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, which introduced me to an author I will continue to read, and presented a somewhat mind-blowing look at answering all the what-ifs in the life of the protagonist. Reading it can't help but trigger the question of what-if. What if you could answer all the what-ifs in your own life, like the roads not taken kind of thing, or imagining a different outcome of a move, a relationship, a job, a day, any day, the book not only triggered the imaginings, but spotlighted the twists and turns in the paths we follow forward in life. Fascinating, I tell you. So, dozens of books I've read, but whittled down to two that I remember, which, again, has to count for something. Same for TV. I watched a ton of TV, too, given our little pop-ups when I think of shows that moved or amused me. Perhaps there was a little too much wasted time. But then there's Ted Lasso on Apple+, Plus, which is, to me, a perfect show. Perfect casting, intriguing and adorable characters, putting me into a world I would like to live in, or at least I'm really happy to visit. Then there's... Uh, um, see what I mean? If we're going to talk about the best or even your favorites, it seems like it shouldn't be hard to call them up. Maybe more shows will pop up later as I'm all over the year, but for now, for a TV series, we'll stick with Ted and move on. But I'll tell you again, one of the best things I watched on TV this year was a documentary on drummers called Count Me In. I know I'm starting to feel like I'm nagging you because this is third or fourth time I've talked about it, but it's on Netflix. And if music doesn't factor high on the list of things you love, it's not going to matter. But if you love music, you will love this. And if you are as intrigued as I am with the separate components of a song and how they all work together to make something way beyond the sum of its parts, there's a six-part documentary series on Hulu called McCartney 321. It's like analyzing magic. It's just Paul McCartney and producer Rick Rudin in front of a massive multi-track board pulling up to isolate singular tracks or sections of any number of Beatles songs a bass line here, a harmony, violins, as Paul reflects or explains the who, how, and why of that particular choice being made. Cheryl told me to watch it before I sat down for the three-part Beatles Get Back documentary on Apple+, and that was excellent advice. Or perhaps it made Get Back pale in comparison. I know Get Back got tons of press, and understandably, as it was the upshot of Peter Jackson tackling the re-edit of the hours and hours and hours Hours of footage that had once been edited down for Let It Be, a Beatles movie that ceased to exist a couple of years after its release. I have to take a minute here to point out that Peter Jackson, who made his name as director of Lord of the Rings trilogy, 
is a guy who clearly likes to take his time telling a story. Significant cultural side note here. The first Lord of the Rings movie, Fellowship of the Rings, was released December 10th, 2001, which makes this year wrapping up its 20th anniversary. How time flies, right? Anyway, the three movies together totaled 558 minutes, yeah, roughly six hours in theaters, and if that wasn't enough for ardent fans, of which there were many, he added back in another nearly 90 minutes for the extended versions, so this is not a guy you would call a merciless editor. For me, I think a little more editing might have been in order, and judging from the opinions of even hardcore Beatles fans, I'm not alone. Still, if you have patience or don't mind a pacing that lets subtle points reveal themselves slowly, if you're happy enough to be sitting in on long rehearsal days seemingly shared in real time, I am part one down with two to go. Maybe by the time they've filled in the lyrics and start recording the song, I'll have a deeper appreciation for the project as a whole. Maybe not. The list I'm reading says Summer of Soul is the year's best documentary, covers the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival, with performances by 16-year-old Stevie Wonder, B.B. King, Mavis Staples. It's on Hulu. I've just put it on my must-watch list because it sounds like it's right up my alley. I do love learning about and witnessing the process that creates music. And it's easy to call up some of my all-time favorite music documentaries, as long as I'm talking about them. Most notably, alongside the two from this year, there's 20 Feet from Stardom, which focuses on backup singers. You can see it on HBO Max, Amazon, and Hulu, or borrow my DVD because it's in my collection alongside It Might Get Loud, where Jimmy Page, Jack White, and The Edge share stories about playing and loving guitars. There's a fascinating documentary on a photographer called Rock Prophecies. I saw it years back and loved it. Sadly, it isn't streaming anywhere, but happily, I just requested a copy from the library. Yay! When I think of it, I realize that photography documentaries, along with music, are also among my favorite categories. There's one on the New York Times photographer Bill Cunningham, New York, finding Vivian Meyer, who was an unknown until way after her death, when a trunk full of photos were bought at an estate sale and propelled her work into popular culture. There are stories behind the guy who more or less created the paparazzi thing, stalking celebrities like Marlon Brando and Jackie Onassis. That's called Smash His Camera. And there's one on the work of Pete Souza, who's the official White House photographer, who was the official White House photographer. The documentary is called The Way I See It, and and the way he sees it, it's pretty fabulous. And somewhat coming full circle, or just stopping back on the Beatles, one about a guy assigned to cover their very first trip to America. It's called Harry Benson Shoot First. There are more, plenty more. But these are the ones I found most intriguing, insightful, worth your time, and the ones I remember. The Best of the Year article that I was reading also has this to say, and I quote its author, Melissa Kirsch, who says, in asking for reader suggestions, I want to know the best ideas people had, the best advice they received, the most radical changes to their routines, the best walks they took, or scents they smelled, or conversations they had. More highly subjective, overly specific recommendations, please. And she adds, On that note, the best changes I made to my routine were to stock my fridge with every canned coffee I could locate within a five-mile radius of my house so I could try a new one every morning, and to stretch my quads before bed. The best piece of advice I received was from a friend quoting the philosopher Alan Watts. You are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. I think I have to ponder her questions 
and get back to you. Please ponder them as well and get back to me. For as much as the books, TV, music I loved this year, it may better serve our better selves to look back on the experiences, the surprises, the lessons, and whatever joy we found and where we found it. Maybe any of it will prompt a resolution or something of a wish list for the year ahead. Or maybe it's just enough to revisit and recognize and appreciate some of the moments that made up the year. Thanks, Melissa, for getting this whole brain train going. And thanks to you for listening. Sign up or subscribe to the It's Me, Cindy podcast if you want, because it's just me sharing. More to come.